And welcome to another Mark Bishop show. This episode we're going to, um, we started a few months back and it's had some great response. So we're going to continue this series uh, called uh, The Reading Corner. And it's all about uh, having a look at some new books that have been released and some good sellers and some best sellers and some of those that would like to be top sellers. Great stories. And this is one of them. And I hope you enjoyed. We're going to be speaking with Linda Cunningham, who is the author. It's in reference to June 27th. This year marks the 63rd anniversary of one of the most devastating tropical storms to hit the coastal United States. The book is called Early Thursday, A War, A Hurricane, A Miracle. And it tells the story of a boy's most idyllic life interrupted by the wrath of Mother Nature. The author, as I said, Linda S. Cunningham, was only nine years old during Hurricane Audrey, and her father was the director of civil defense for the local parish. She and her family watched the devastation from their picture window when the hurricane hit. Her father at that time served as the director of civil defense for Kelsakow Parish, and she had many survival stories and saw the coroner's pictures that lend auth- uh, authenticity to the novel. Now, Miss Cunningham has a BA in English and Creative Writing for the University of Houston. And she also has a BS and Master of Education in Health and Physical Education from McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. She's won awards for screenwriting and she currently resides in Texas. I'd like to welcome her, Linda Cunningham. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, fascinating book. I mean, based on your recollections... Uh, you do deliver a powerful and moving portrait of the days and events leading up to and following this uh, cataclysmic storm. What inspired you to write the book? Well, like you said, I was a nine-year-old going through it, and my father came home with the stories and told them to us of, of the survival stories that these people went through. And then we took in refugees. That's what we called them then. And uh, they were displaced. Their homes were flooded. And this hurricane came in early. And that's how it gets the name Early Thursday, because it came in and with it early, it came in with high water and they were all trapped. And they couldn't get out. And so over 400 people were killed. But at any rate, we talked with these people that stayed in our homes. And I remember standing around the kitchen table and the adults were sitting there. And this woman was telling her story of hanging in a tree and the waves come in and the wash over her. 20-foot waves come in, wash over her clinging to this tree, holding her toddler and her infant baby. And so she did this for so long, and her arms just gave out. And the next wave came came over and took her toddler and her baby. Uh, and as a nine-year-old, I, I saw their darkest night. You know, I saw them cry, and it really affected me. And finally, I did something about this. I had to release it, and I did so in this book. Wow. You know, um, I mean, that's horrific. To watch something like that would be horrific, and uh, it would put a, a hell of an imprint on your little braid at that age, nine-year-old, uh, so close, you know, living to, uh, to the worst of the flooding. What do you think, Linda, are the major lessons that you hope people will take away from reading Early Thursday? 
Well, the number one lesson at the moment, as we go into hurricane season, I just want to say that anyone visiting the coastal states during hurricane season or the people there, you know, when they're keep track of the news and the weather. And if authorities tell you to get out and evacuate, do so. Don't he hesitate and don't take chances. And, but this book is timeless because we all have experienced Mother Nature's wrath, you know, through hurricanes and tornadoes and mm. wildfires and, and ice storms and flash floods and, and whatever. And, um, and they all wreak havoc on our families and our homes and our communities. And this book is about overcoming these setbacks. And um, it shows how this main character through all this devastation and regret and the loss and, and these losses and regrets shape us. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, survival guilt, forgiveness. And so th that's what this book is about. So it, it's not just for the people on the coast that experience hurricanes, mm -hmm. it's experiencing life. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. I've you know I can't get over the storms uh, that you see in America. Of course, from the land uh, you know down under where I'm from, we have what we call hurricanes, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, and um, uh, cyclones, and and uh, they do some devastating damage. I can assure you, I've lived through quite a few, and I've seen the results. And you know, similarly, people in Australia are the same as people in the U.S. We all suffer, and, and you know, the, what you're trying to say in the book really affects us all. How did you go about researching, and what surprised you most of all while you were researching? Well, I've, I took uh, all of the old newspapers that my father had saved, and he had a file on Hurricane Audrey, and I read through all of that. So I got all of those opinions, and I didn't put an exact number of the deaths because it, I, I just found different sources that were uh, different, and I want to be exact on my facts. So I didn't put that in there because there were babies lost in people like that that never were recovered and so they weren't counted in there um but anyway you were touching on the babies at the time yes they, they were lost and we couldn't we couldn't uh, get an exact number and so that surprised me that we, i guess we just weren't meticulous enough at the time but then um does that another, does that sort of thing make you feel a bit guilty when you when you're trying to write a book you know, because you're not so exact in your exactly. statistics. Yeah. Like that. I, I'm a detailed person. But the, the thing that uh, intrigued me the most was that Louisiana had several German POW camps because the, they sent the Germans back over to Louisiana because all the young men had gone off to war. Mm -hmm. And so they set up these minimum security um, camps and these German POWs, they weren't the Nazis. They were the ones that were just drafted into the German army. So, but they took care of the cane fields and the rice fields and, and the things that the young men did when they were home. Mm -hmm. So, so I spun a little story about 
uh, a POW falls in love with Walt's mother. And so there's a backstory there about the war and about the, um, brings up a paternity question right. for my character. So uh, that was one thing that surprised me. And I went over there and interviewed people in Franklin, Louisiana. And um, this one little lady, she was 86 years old, and she was the cutest thing. She said, we watched those Germans march down the street, and they had that pretty pink skin and blonde hair because they're all Cajun. You know, they're dark and dark hairs mm-hmm. and dark eyes. And <laughs> she said, we saw those Germans walking down that street and you know, pretty soon we started lifting our skirts just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this. So why did you decide to write this as a work of historical fiction rather than a memoir? And why did you choose to write it in the voice of a 12-year-old boy? Well, the, um, I decided to go ahead and make it, um, it is a memoir, but it is historical fiction because I bring in things like the hurricane, which was all a true story, and the German POWs in the German camps. That's all true stories. And, um, uh, you know, it helps people learn the history of different areas. And that appeals to some people. Um, I I had to talk myself into the 12-year-old voice. But, you know, I had, I grew up with brothers. I have a husband. I had grandsons. And I said, I can do this. I can do this. And so I did. And if you think about it, people my age grew up reading in the male voice uh, by male writers. Um, You know, we had a few books like um, Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. And and we didn't have a whole lot of um, women writers back then. So I was used to reading. I was a big reader when I was a child, and so I was used to reading in the male voice, so mm-hmm. it just came pretty easy to me. Yeah, it sort of just came. So, uh, you know, in reading this book, I've got to tell you, Linda, wh- why do you think our personal search, or wh- why is our personal search for identity such a key element in this novel? Well, this is something that touches everyone. This is the, our human condition. We want to know who we are. And it's easy to say, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm an accountant, uh, uh, or whatever. And it's easy to talk about the things we've done or the things we want. But it's hard to say who you are. And you have to know what you believe. And, and that comes from being quiet and still and, and meditating and praying about it. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Okay, so no, that that's pretty good. So how did your background in education and literature help you, do you think, in writing this book? Well, I was exposed to a plethora of, um, of writers. And guess what? They're all writing about the human condition. Mm-hmm. And so, and we all have our own stories and we all suffering, suffer. And the suffering breaks down the facade of our egos. And that's part of the human condition. And healing occurs when we accept the humility of our own humanity and that we are not, we're not even, we wouldn't even have a being if it weren't for God or a higher power. And that's when transformation occurs. 
So what were you able to glean, do you think, from your father's experience as the head of civil defence for your parish? By the way, did I get that name correct earlier on in the... It's Calcasieu. Calcasieu. I was pretty close. <laughs> All right. So yes. what, what do you think you were able to glean from your father's experience? My father worked so hard on that. And what we don't understand, I think, people that are in charge of different organizations and and this, he just took it upon himself and he'd come home and cry. And I saw him cry. And he was doing his very best. So were all the volunteers. And, it, you know, things like this bring out the best in people. And he tried so hard to help all of these people. And he did a marvelous job. But some things will just be with you forever. And I saw his hard work and his belief in and all of his volunteers and the people that helped, they even went to Fort Polk and got the soldiers down uh, to help and brought their, they called them ducks, these amphibious vehicles. And, mm -hmm. and I just saw him work hard and for such a good cause. And it just made me really proud of him. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, folks, I'm speaking with Linda S. Cunningham. And the book is, is called uh, Early Thursday. A war, a hurricane, and a miracle. So let me ask you this. Why did you choose to create Walt's father's character, you know, as abusive and an alcoholic? Well, <clears throat> this is one of Walt's regrets, which I can't say too, too much about, but because it'll give it away. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I had to, All right, let me, I, ask, let me ask you another question. Really <laughs> so, so how did you come up with the idea to have a prisoner of war as part of the storyline? I know, that sounds crazy. But I, when I found out about the prisoners of war in Franklin, Louisiana, I was just determined to work that in there some way. But I don't, and, I don't get how they're walking. To, if they're prisoners of war... How are these Jerry's walking down the street so open that you want to lift your skirts? Come on. How do they get out? <laughs> well, that's when they first got off the train and they were marched to the camp. And, of course, they had guards all around. Oh, I got the impression they're out on a, you know, outback or out, out on a wander somewhere having cigarettes and going to a candy store or movie or some blessed thing. Oh, no, they, they went to the camp, and it was guarded. They had guards and towers all around it, but it was a minimum security. And this one fella told me that um, he, he was out working in a cane field, and the um, guards would sit up on the roof of the truck mm -hmm. and watch them. And then finally he got tired of sitting there and went under a tree and fell asleep. And all the the prisoners came up to him, kicking his shoe and waking him up and saying, hey, wake up. You're supposed to be guarding us. Yeah, right. So how do you <laughs> think, Linda, that you're... all right? that Cajun cooking, <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. How are your spiritual uh, beliefs, do you think, uh, reflected in this novel's main message? Well, it, it's about love in the end it's about um the power of forgiveness and the capacity to love against all odds and um everyone needs to experience that you know we not until something horrible happens to us do we realize how fragile life is and 
how much family means to us. Even though Walt grew up with such an abusive father, he didn't realize that he loved his father until this happened. Yeah. And so I, I believe that we're, we will be judged by the measure of our love. It's like that, isn't it? Sometimes it takes a shock or uh, something like this to happen before people, you know, do accept the fact and realize that just uh, how delicate life is and uh, that our stay on this planet maybe is, you know, just temporary. So, look, if, let me ask you this in a couple of closing questions now. If a reader uh, could only walk away from this book with one thought, what would you want that to be? Well, I think I would want it to be realized that, that every person should realize that they are valuable and they are miraculous. And we have a choice to believe in miracles or not. And I choose to believe in the miraculous. And in the miraculous, there is hope as well as the understanding that we're not alone. Yeah, that's a very good thought. So let me ask you this to, uh, to close out this uh, interview with you, Linda. How do you hope that this particular novel will honor the victims and the volunteers of Hurricane Audrey? Well, the first thing is that it brings up the awareness of hurricanes. And as you know, Louisiana went through the devastating Hurricane Laura. So it's not only honoring the victims and volunteers of Hurricane Audrey, but it's showing empathy for the victims of Hurricane Laura and Delta and all up and down the coast. Mm, yeah, a, a lot of them, a lot of lost lives. Eh? Absolutely. Well, folks, you can buy this now. Let's talk about uh, where one can get hold of the book, Linda. Tell me, tell me. Well, Amazon. It's uh, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, all the major mm -hmm. retailers. And I have a wonderful trailer out there. Um, it's um, early Thursday, book trailer, early Thursday. And mm -hmm. it's on YouTube. And they can take a look at that. And it's by Linda S. Cunningham. There's a lot of Linda Cunninghams out there. Mm -hmm. So I tried to put S in there to narrow it down some. So if you're looking online, it's Linda S. Cunningham. And um, I uh, have a Facebook page. And you can leave any messages for me there. Okay. And I, I, most interesting one, this fellow right around Christmas time left a message. And he said, I bought 12 copies, one for each one of my kids, <laughs> one for friends. And, and he just went on and on. So it was really nice encouragement for me. Fabulous. The author, Linda S. Cunningham. And the book is titled A War, A Hurricane, A Miracle. And, of course, Kindle. You know, it's, uh, these days, it's a big, great way to read this lovely book. And uh, I wish you well, uh, all the luck in the world. It's got a lovely message and uh, a message of hope and care and love one another. Thank you, Linda, for the time you've given us. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it.